3: Welcome to White One Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week gave Michael Bublé and Noddy Holder calls for sleepless nights on the run-up to Christmas last year with their number one Christmas album, which trounced festive heavyweights like Mariah Carey and Dolly Parton. Mm. One is a musical theatre colossus and Radio 2 DJ and multi-platinum selling recording artist. The other found fame as an unknown in Baz Luhrmann's La Boheme and Les Mir's, and is Britain's most popular tenor. Huge stars in their own right, together they've become one of the music industry's biggest success stories. They first became friends after appearing together in a disastrous production of Kismet at the English National Opera and many years later in 2016 released their first album together which went on to become the biggest selling album of the year. Their second album, Together Again, went to number one. Their third, Back Together, debuted at number two and now they're back together again on the road touring. So, let's dial them up. It's Michael Ball and Alfie Bow. Alfie Bow, Michael Ball, how the devil are you, and where the devil are you?
2: Uh, I'm in London. Where are you, Alf? I'm in I'm in the US at the moment. I'm in Utah, sat underneath my little boy's bunk bed that I put up, and these these are the <laughs> these are the Halloween lights. This is
3: crazy. <laughs> I don't think I've ever felt more rock and roll than right now. <laughs> Talking to you under your son's bunk. <laughs> so how are you both well? How have you survived these absolutely crazy times?
1: Uh well, personally, yeah, I am. I'm I'm physically well. We we I've uh, was lucky enough to be able to finally open hairspray. I know we postponed it.
3: How many times?
1: Uh, four times. We had to postpone it. We did the first one day of rehearsal before we went into lockdown. Uh, way back last, um, last March, last March, two years ago, nearly.
3: It's like a whole year's just gone. It's just
1: gone. i just. It's just that. So we kept postponing the postponing. We finally we opened in uh June and finished uh, three weeks ago, and it was great. So I'm having a little bit of a rest before I meet up with him, and I can't
3: wait. To go back on the road together again. That's right. I have to say, um, Michael, I was sat um, as one does in the nail bar earlier today, having my nails done, next to a wonderful gentleman who was also getting his done. And we were talking about, he's an actor in musical theatre. And I said, I was speaking to you this afternoon. He said, please just say thank you. He said, he always makes sure everybody gets a decent whack. I don't know. Are you some sort of Don Carly <laughs> behind the scenes? Making yeah. sure everyone gets little brown envelopes as they should. Um But he also said, just said, just say thank you for speaking up, for pushing, for helping and using your voice.
1: Well, I think I think everyone in the business has done that. Alfie's done that. Everyone I know has. Because I've got my radio show I, I on a Sunday, I was able to to use that. But but one thing I'm sure Alf will agree that that this this business, we in, in the music business, in the theatre business and the TV business have really pulled together. To try and do everything that we can to support each other and to try and get work back out there for it. Yeah,
3: because it's 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 all right when you're sat at the top of the pile, you can survive these lean times. But when you're not and you're relying on being constantly in work and work is shut for eighteen months, that's tough.
2: Yeah, it's been hard to see a lot of young artists that have literally just left college as well to get into the industry to immediately have to go back to working in a restaurant or whatever and do something else that. Has sort of put on what they love to do from the heart has put it on hold, and it's 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 really it's hard to see that. Yeah. It's, it's been nice to sort of encourage people that we're getting through it and it's all going to be okay. <laughs> I was at the Royal Academy
1: of Music yesterday. Oh wow! Last year, students didn't get a graduation ceremony. This year, students and they've had to learn not being in the same room together. Yeah, uh, yeah. for some of the time and having to, to do things like we're doing these things on on Zoom, which you know, when 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 myself when Alfie studied, part of the joy was being together, being together and learning how to how to respond. Yeah, it's
3: not called a company for nothing, is it? Exactly, exactly.
1: exactly. Yeah. But hey, Brilliant. we're back. We're back. We are.
3: You're back. You're back out on the road. Um, I was looking back at how you guys met, um, and I wondered because obviously it's been quite a journey since you met on a disastrous production, uh, which kind of bonded you. But here you are all these all these years on. And obviously when you came together, it was under professional circumstances. So before we kicked off the, the three questions that I've drafted for you, I wanted to know about your first impressions of each other, the one that you thought you had of each other before having met and worked together and how that might have changed once you were, as you just said, Michael, in the room together.
1: Well, I, I didn't know Elf before we, we we met in the rehearsal. Yeah. Oh. Um, and... Uh, my first impression was, damn, younger, better looking, sings better, so I don't like him.
3: Hate him.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, my first, I'd never really heard of Michael Ball either, um, you know. So... Yeah, right.
3: What are you, were you living under a stone?
2: <laughs> no, I just had a life. <laughs> and um, he's in denial. Yeah. <laughs> no i have to admit i had and i had a couple of um i had a couple of michael ball albums when i was a kid at home you know and uh, we used to play them and scare away the neighbors you know that was that that sort of thing uh, we, ha- we, halloween special yeah yeah <laughs> but i was i was so excited to to work with michael when we did that awful awful production you know my first impression was amazing professional guy he is it was it was it he was wonderful he, he, it was a great lesson in how to be like a team leader ah. and he kept everybody together you know made everybody laugh made everybody feel special and i thought that's a real lesson to learn and in, in this business and so i try and you know that was that was uh, what i try and do myself now a little bit who are you shut up what you, Alfie shut, shut shut up <laughs> Just take the compliment. I will. I'm really (laughs) lovely.
3: I mean, I'm as stunned as you, Michael, because I've spent the last 48 hours reading up on on both of you, both collectively and individually, and I've never heard a kind word exchanged about the other from either of you. So what's
0: done?
2: (laughs) You know, it's not. I've got to say, it's all it's all for show. That it's not true. (laughs) We love each other very much. I do. I, I. you know, I have a lot of love and respect for Michael. It's all—it's all just a—it's all just an act. Yeah. You know? I, can't, I can't be nasty and bantery with people I don't like.
1: I'm not very good at it. Yeah. I get all very polite, <laughs> and uh, one thing I'm never with Alfie is polite.
3: <laughs> oh, <Or> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Your second album, Together Again, which followed your number one album, Together, went straight in at number one. However, it was a narrow victory. You beat the Stereophonics by just 35 sales. So I wanted to know, where else in life have you gained a victory by the narrowest of margins? And what's it gone on to mean to you?
2: It's usually always involved the Stereophonics, unfortunately. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um oh my goodness, I don't know. Um, victories. See you see,
1: I can do the reverse. I've I've lost by the narrowest of margins. Oh,
3: go on then, yeah, let's do that.
1: Eurovision revision song content. Well look, I was tra- yeah.
3: Oh yes.
1: Yeah. Came second, second by the narrowest of margins, leading up until the end and then Blummin I think it was Czechoslovakia I can't remember who. Someone gave me nil points mm. and gave Ireland twelve and <laughs> beat. I, I lost You came
3: second.
2: Yeah. I forgot that. And what about your number one,
1: mate? I mean,
3: you clearly have. You clearly haven't, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> how did that? How did that feel? Did you want which? Which? I which...
1: Know, I was really drunk by the time the result. <laughs>
3: Hanging off Terry Wogan I... like a chigaboo. Yeah.
1: We were both absolutely smashed by that time, <laughs> and thank goodness because I probably couldn't have reprised the song. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm just—I don't know. Have you? I, I
3: can't think you. I mean, what I'm talking about, like, is, for example, like, the role that you only found out after you, you'd stepped into the, you know, for example, like, Baz Luhrmann, right? Spend two years looking for his leading man, and then Alfie, in you go, right? So that's quite a narrow victory for a total unknown, uh, as 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 an example. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, Michael, for you, you know, being able to come back to work on Phantom... Thinking that you actually you might never work again. Those are, you know, that's a slither of an opportunity that felt just right for you at that time. And without it, Um, things could have been so different.
1: Yeah, I think for both of us, you will always find something comes along and and you're at a crossroads and you have a decision to make. And who knows what life would have been like if you'd gone down one path? But Mm. we've ended up going down this path. And for for both of us, I think we're really lucky because look where we are. We've
2: done all right. Um
1: He's done
3: more than that.
2: I was going to say, I think, another, another sort of loss on my part, I've got two losses. I lost out to Hugh Jackman in the movie for Les Mis, and I also, which is even worse, lost a car race to Michael on the Grand Tour. <gasps> That's by yeah, by, by he thinks it was a second, a full second. It wasn't. It was like no, it wasn't, Alf. It was uh, one point four seconds. i am watched it. For... All right, it was one point four seconds. I now owe him dinner uh, because I lost. So that 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 and it hurts me. It hurts me. I'm 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 heartbroken still. I mean, it's like I find it hard to deal with.
3: <laughs> From a man that used to to make cars and has, you know, this yeah. is, this has got a hurt, Alf.
2: I know
1: your face. When the news came out, I mean, oh, he couldn't hell.
2: even hide it. It was if he could have killed me, if we weren't the cameras, what he would have done. Well, I mean, yeah. Richard Hammond said, "You you drive a car like you ride a motorbike." So I was, I was, I was. I, was, I do. I ride motorbikes more than I have race bikes. More than I ride car drive cars. And uh, he said, "You accelerate into the corner." So, so sort of, on a bike, you do, and it's lovely actually because when you watch it back out. There's, I mean, you are... I've never watched it back, Michael. I'm never back. ever going to watch Thank it back.
3: Michael, what you could do on the new yes. tour is put it up on the screens. Oh, yes. Just as the audience are coming in. <laughs> he's,
1: he's, like, so focused on it because he, he's competitive doing them really.
2: And I'm camply going, oh, here oh! We go. <laughs> And I nailed it. That's all I'm saying. did. It is. It is. <laughs> And I still owe him dinner. I still haven't taken him for dinner. So. No, you <laughs> I know. I will do. I promise. I'm yeah.
3: back. <laughs> well, well done. And then, obviously, Hugh Jackman. I mean, listen. I mean, was lightning ever going to strike twice? In as much as you get like one of those unprecedented opportunities, uh, which you know, kind of what is what you had with La Boheme with Baz Luhrmann, who just plucked you from nowhere, yeah, and then obviously gave you a, a yeah. profile in the West End. But then they went with him Hugh Jackman. I mean, who's Hugh Jackman? When's he at home? Eh? Well,
2: you know, I mean, is
3: he a great showman? Well, <laughs>
2: I watched the movie and I thought, no, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty good. And 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 uh, you know, and that's the thing. I was so lucky to get the role of Le Miserables because there's so many wonderful guys out there that play Jean Valjean already that. that that you know, pulled it out of the bag and do such a wonderful job, and could have done an amazing job on the twenty-fifth anniversary. But yeah, I was fortunate enough and lucky, yeah, that. to get that yeah. that sort of win in those big moments. Yeah. yeah, and the Baz Luhrmann was good. Yeah, that was a good moment to the Labo I
3: mean, <laughs> but when you get that call, because those are the moments on which careers pivot, right? Yeah. Baz Lerman goes, "I want you." Like, where were you at in your career at that point?
2: Well, at that point, I was working at the. I was working at the Royal Opera House, um, Covent Garden. I was a, young, a junior principal at the Covent Garden on a on a sort of young artist program. And I'd literally just started it. And um, I had to then make the decision on whether I wanted to go and be on Broadway in a lead role in an opera with a movie director or stick to studying at the, <laughs> the Royal Opera House. And I thought... And, and as it happened, the people that run the Opera House, they said, you know, it comes to a point in everyone's career where enough education is enough. You know, you go off and you do the job. And so they, they backed me. They were, uh, you know, 100 percent behind me doing it. But the people that were running the program uh, weren't very happy with me. <laughs> so so but, you know, it was an opportunity I couldn't miss. You know, I, I, I had to go and do it. And, and I'm thrilled I did. You know, absolutely thrilled I did, you know. So, um, yeah, it was a good it was a good, good thing to do. Did you
3: ever have a moment even comparable to that, Michael, in terms of, like, what? Big break, you know, like one of those that comes from, from nowhere and knocks you off your feet?
1: Well, yeah, uh, I guess Les Mis would be it yeah. for me as well. Back in the day, I was doing, I'd, I'd landed my first big job pretty well out of drama school, doing Pirates of Penzance. It's funny, it, you know, there's this whole... Thing you know, Alf worked with uh, with Doily Carr. I was doing Gilbert Sullivan. I'm doing this this show up in Manchester, and I heard everyone that was talking about this musical that the RSC were going to be putting on, and and I was a bit obsessed with the RSC. My dad used to take me to see their shows when I was a kid, and he always said to me, "If you ever got a job with the RSC, then I will consider you." A, a huge success, that was, that was Aww, the pinnacle for him.
3: That's so lovely.
1: I phoned my agent at the time and said, do you think I could be seen for this? And they went, there's no part for you in it. <laughs> they were no
3: longer- I was gonna say, them. this was from your agent, <laughs> because, jeez. Yeah, exactly.
1: man. But Bonnie Langford's agent, she was in the show, Bonnie Langford's agent, Barry Burnett uh, was up to see her and he knew Cameron really well. And the only part that hadn't been cast, two parts, with the role of Fontine and the role of Marius. And he said to Cameron, I think you should come up and see this lad who's just starting off working with Bonnie. So Cameron schlepped up to, uh, to Manchester to see me in the show and then brought me down to uh, to meet up with Trevor Nunn and uh, Claude Bichel and Alain and sat there. I remember them playing empty chairs at empty tables, which had the worst lyric. It made no sense, the lyric. And I had to sing this rubbish. Um, but I knew the song, the, the music was great. And then remember Trevor Nunn coming up to me and saying, now, uh, if we were to offer you a non-singing role in this production, would you be happy? And genuine, I went, I don't do stage management. I've never done the course. <laughs> I, but what do you mean? I said, well, I know it's a musical. It's through, so, you know, it's through, so, so I don't see where I, I would fit in. Uh, we sort of set the, and so... That was a pivoter yeah. completely for me. And then, they, they,
2: they, so it was myself and, and Patty Lapone were the last wow.
1: cast in the, in the production.
2: Can I just say one thing? You, you were with an agent that said that there was no role in Les Mis for you. Yeah. I was with an agent in, in New York uh, when they were doing the revival on Broadway. And I said, Can I go and audition for it? Can I give it a shot? And he said exactly the same. He said, there's no role in it for you, Alfie. There's no role in Les Miserables for you. You, you It's pointless going to do it. And then it was you, Michael, that that got me the role. What? Yeah, Michael. When we were doing Kismet, um, Michael contacted Cameron and said, you've, you've got to come and see this guy playing this role. I think he'd be good for, for the 25th anniversary. And so Cameron came to see Kismet, <laughs> saw what a disaster the show was, but really liked my singing, you know
1: honest, Alf, that's why you came. <laughs> that's why you came? Because he loves a bad show. And I said, you cannot miss this. <laughs> there you go. Wait, wait, to see. Oh, I see. I see now. Two reasons. The show is possibly the worst bit of theatre you'll ever see and you'll love it. Yeah.
2: And there's a guy in it called Alfie who's blooming brilliant.
3: Is that seriously, that was your sale to him?
2: Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, and then from that, he offered me, I I did the same thing. I did the Went to an audition with Trevor Nunn and Claude Michel and Alan and, and Cameron was all there and started to play Bring Him Home and things like that. And it was just, yeah, it was the same sort of process as yeah. Michael. Wow. It was incredible. Yeah.
3: Amazing. Life-changing stuff for both of you then.
2: Yeah, I should have got 15%,
3: yeah. shouldn't
2: I? Was... <laughs> and he hasn't even bought the dinner. But you get to sing with me now. <laughs> That's got to be a bonus, hasn't it? You get to sing with me now. How many
3: years passed between Kismet and you two? Going, oh, we should, we could be the Anton Deck of you know, the West End. We could be the Robson and Jerome that can really sing. Well, how long
2: was that? Um, was it ten years or so? Must have been. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, I then went on. I went on as a guest for Michael on his um, prom uh, proms uh, concert at the Royal Albert Hall. That was the first time we actually duetted yeah. together. Well, yeah. no, well, yeah, the Girlfishers, wasn't it? So I
1: watched them the other night
2: yeah. when I was on holiday
1: yeah. and we were having a little right. trip down. I was there with, with some mate and we, had a, we were having a little trip down memory lane. And I suddenly thought, God, what was the first time Alf and I sang together? And I found it on, on YouTube. Aww. It's really good, kid. Aww.
2: It was good, yeah. It It could have been a lot worse. (laughs) Well, I I remember the first rehearsal that we had. Oh, done. Michael turned up for for the Pearlfishers duet, which is a a duet written by Bizet. Um, And it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, French duet. And Michael started to do this mock sort of operatic uh, voice thing. Yeah. And he was like, what, what, what are you doing? What, what, what the hell are you doing, Michael? And he says, well, it's an opera, isn't it? It's operatic. I've got to do that opera thing. Guess which one of us isn't trained. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 uh, and so I, but I just said to him, I said, look, you know what? Just sing it as Michael Ball. Sing it in your voice. And he did. And it sounded fabulous. And that was where mm. we discovered how we the can work together. So we, 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 yeah, the blend in the voices. And we, we spoke about doing a few shows together and then we, it sort of fell by the wayside for about five years or so. And then we gave it another shot and this was it.
3: I mean, when you stand back, I don't know if you truly appreciate how big your story has become. You are truly one of the music industry's biggest success stories in terms of sales and, your albums and your record sales together I mean you do great you do you have incredible careers independently but there seems to be something that when you two come together it just amplifies there was nothing like you out there in terms of sales standing that audience loyalty you bring both of your audiences to to the party collectively it's a pretty solid little empire you've got rocking along here boys
1: I think, I think we knew yeah. that we would enjoy it. I think we knew with the, with the, that with our, our work ethic, our uh, the music that we liked, the music we found that would work together, that we'd enjoy it. Of course, you never know if something's going to succeed, if something is, is, is going to capture people's imagination. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why it did, because it was truly an organic thing. Yeah. You know, it started off with us just saying... Let's do some gigs together, some concerts and see what happens. A record company, the record company found out and said, Why don't you make a record? Uh so we did and, and it just mushroomed
2: that first tour. Do you remember Alf? It was it was incredible because there was there was exciting news every single day. There was something coming in throughout the, the, the recording process of the first album. There was constant energy behind it. And but what you know, we have amazing fans. You know that that's that's what the beauty about this whole project is that we have loyal and amazing fans, and we've brought a lot of people on board as well, which is nice um for, but but one of the things that I think hit me hard about the about the whole project was how we sing together you know i mean it, we 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 work well together in the studio, we know each other's strengths and and you know who who would be better singing this line, who'd be better doing that harmony you know, that sort of thing. And, and it and it, it just worked. And there's no, I don't think now there's no like, well, I want to sing that line because it's big and it's loud and it's high or anything like that, you know, it's going to show me off to the best. But if it's big and loud and high, you end up singing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Normally, normally, you know, but, but, but you know, that, um, but it's it's interesting that to, to 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 have discovered our voices together a little bit more, you know, like some of the songs that I love to sing with Michael are the songs when I sing a lower harmony when it's not a big loud and high, it's just it mellows things out and it's it's beautiful. It was discovering that that thing. It's not you and me. It's we. It's us. Yeah, yeah. It's like we, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's
1: whatever, whatever. And and. and you know, whatever whatever we do that will help an individual will
2: help the, the two of us. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. it's it's very much a team. I don't think we really knew that we would be now recording, of, you know, no. on our fourth album, no. fifth album, and to, you know, it's 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 been a you know, it's, I want to keep going and do more, and because it's a lot of fun, we enjoy it. I enjoy it. The other thing that, that I think we
1: found is that when when we finish. A project for a bit and then we we go and do our own stuff mm. that's that's exciting then where there's new things that we're each doing yeah. individually and then when we come back we go oh, oh,
2: oh. yeah
1: sort exactly. of, it sort of adds to adds to to, to this it's it's yeah, really it's, it's
3: keeping the relationship yeah, alive true. isn't it in exactly. so many ways because you can come away from it and come back with new ideas new enthusiasm absolutely always looking forward to it Now my next question to you both was based on my uh, research, because as I have said at the top of the show, I found it very hard to find you ever being nice about one another (laughs) in interviews. So I wanted to know if you could tell me two things, the thing you most admire about the other and the thing that absolutely infuriates you at the same time. Far away. No, no, you didn't need any time to think about it, Michael. Shall I go
2: first? Okay. <laughs> I mean the thing I admire about Michael, apart from his hair, um, is you've got,
3: you've got a good badge.
2: <laughs> I know, look at my mine. mine's oh. terrible. No, oh, that looks
3: good. Looks good. it's looking
2: good. No, it's not. It's just it's the bad camera angle at the moment. That's what I'm putting it down to. Thank you. <laughs> um Michael is so bubbly, so positive, so encouraging is is a good guy to have on your side when you're feeling a bit low when you're feeling down Aww. he's there always to give you a hug, throw his arm around you, all that sort of stuff and he's is he's, he's so supportive and uh you know that's a that's a real blessing to have a partner that you work with that's like that you know um the thing that annoys me the most about him what. Huh? Are his superstitions? Oh my goodness! I mean, he has pre-show rituals that he does. He his it, the the whistling whistling thing. He, <laughs> there's this thing where uh, I know I understand the concept behind it, but we're not we're not sailors anymore and ships and things. It, there's this thing where in theatre, um, sailors used to be employed yeah um, to work in theatres because they were able to rig scenery. And that sort of thing. So they used to communicate by um, uh, whistling. Is this right, Michael? Am I telling the story correctly? And and so that would that would sort of um, tell the sailors to tell the the crew to sort of bring in a piece of scenery. So if you're in the theatre now and you whistle, it's bad luck because you're giving the cue for a piece of scenery to come in. So if you whistle, um, you could be bringing in a piece of scenery at the wrong time and it could land on your head or whatever it is. So Michael... It kills actors. It kills actors, apparently. <laughs> so Michael has this thing. He'll be, he'll be... I find it really embarrassing because we could go into a, into a situation where we're in a theatre and we're having a photo shoot or or doing a you know a music video or whatever, and we're surrounded by complete strangers that, that we've not worked before, with before, and one young little kid or something will start whistling, and Michael will say, Stop whistling! Stop whistling. <laughs> but it's I can't help it. And it's like, what the hell, Michael? Come on, mate. He's 12 years old, he's just whistling a song, he's writing to <laughs> death now. It doesn't matter. You know it is? The boy needs to know. <laughs> I have. I
1: you've seen me, I and mean, it's not like it's a control. It, it literally, I can hear it anywhere in the theatre.
3: Anywhere
2: in the building,
1: and it has a physical effect on me. And they have to stop.
3: And you, and it, it, it drives you to a rage. You have, you you you, will angrily shut it down.
1: I make people go out the door, turn around three times, spit swear, knock and
2: ask Saying, to come back in. No, I have had to do that and can I Can I say it's actually put me into a position now in my life where. I can be walking around my own home, just about to whistle. <laughs> and it's like, I wonder if I'm allowed
1: to... Was I'm my own
3: man.
2: Yeah, I can whistle, it's fine. And my
1: favourite, Kate, my favourite, we've been in a dressing room to wind me up. He'll come in and he'll whistle. He'll go, you know, doing that. And I go, up to you, Elf. Do you want to tempt <laughs> that fate? You want to go there? <laughs> you carry on. And he'll sit and go, <laughs> Oh, bloody hell! And then he'll go out, turn around so, three so, times, so the spitting
0: and the off.
3: swearing and the spinning is in. is a cancellation process. Swearing, that's also a superstition
1: that cancels out. Yeah. So the, it's, it's like it's like when you see uh, one magpie, oh, yeah, you have
3: to pray for two. To,
1: you know. So uh, it's the same.
3: Yeah. Same thing.
1: So so Absolutely. and the way to cancel out the bad luck is to go out to ten. So this is what happened. and I think it's, <laughs> it's based on sound science.
3: So, so we know that the whistling has, has made you something of a, you know, well, I mean, this is this is some someone who's feared as well as revered in the West End. Respected,
1: I think I'd like to say, okay. <laughs> and passing on these important traditions to <laughs> the next generation.
3: I'm passing them down. Um, so, so what is it that you might like and admire about Alf, and what what is it that drives you nuts about him?
1: Okay, I love his strength. I love I love the fact that I know he has got my back. If something happens, uh, if I need something, if I'm not on something, if I don't see something, Alfie's on it, and he's not afraid to say it, and he will make sure I'm all right. There's no question of that. He is—he has got my back, and that's the sign of a proper, proper friend. Um, what drives me mad is that he eats for England, and I put the weight on.
3: We've—we've <laughs> we've, we've all got that friend that's just got the metabolism. That you've always prayed oh. for, yeah. Are you bear it, yeah. yeah.
1: It's like I'll, I'll just have a third dinner <laughs> of the evening, adding extra bleeding gravy that's on his uh, uh, right,
2: and you know he comes out looking like Captain America.
3: Are, are you a big eater?
2: Great. <laughs> I yeah, I am. I do eat. I do eat a lot. I don't know why. It's just that I, I I usually eat every couple of hours it's it's uh, but i i go to the gym i work out i do
3: wow there you go michael how often are you in the gym
2: i'm in the gym six times a week so um (laughs) six times a year at least
3: slammed at that gym
2: (laughs) and
1: because they have a really good vending machine (laughs) (laughs) it's not for you you know it's not for me i go through phases i go through phases (laughs) where i think oh no and I, i i and I, I lose weight, and I'm really dead. And then I, I stop work, and I think, oh, well, I can. I'm all right now. We're about, we're a month away from going it. I'm going. <laughs> can I wear a caftan on stage? Is that option?
2: <laughs> I had a, I did have a meeting with our, our tour manager on the phone, and I said, you know what. Can we try and get hotels with decent gyms or can we get a hotel <laughs> close to a gym? Because I really do want to drag Michael there. So we are going to the gym while we're on tour. <laughs> we are. We've got
3: to. Yeah, I will.
1: I will. All right. All
2: right. <laughs> we'll, go. we'll
1: be healthy on yeah, this tour. We'll, we'll do it. Oh,
3: my God. You know what? This time next year, you're going to look like Bruno Tonioli.
1: Why would you even say that,
3: Kate? Because Bruno is ripped. He does this thing. <laughs> Seriously, Michael, just Google it, right? You just think, Bruno, in normal clothes, you go, oh, look at that. Yeah. Oh, my God. He is tanned and ripped like a bodybuilder.
1: But does it need a good iron?
3: No. That's me.
1: <laughs> so, oh.
3: There's nothing worse, is there, when you go, <laughs> who's let the air out of my skin?
1: <laughs> no. True story. True story. I think Alf probably heard this already. But I was, I was doing the 100th year anniversary at the Bradford Alhambra. Mm-hmm. And I was the second half act. The first half act were, di- with, 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 first half were different acts, and there was the Crankies were, <laughs> and so Jeanette Cranky is doing a thing that's we Jeanette, and then she runs into the green room to check into her Moira Anderson with inflatable boobs uh, routine, and literally, uh, three feet away from me, strips off down to the bra and knickers, yeah, right in front of because you do in the theatre, and she looks at me. And you go, I goes, what you're thinking. It needs a damn good aim. <laughs> And she wasn't wrong. <laughs> that's why I love this business. Now,
3: that takes me beautifully. That's, the, that's the, the ultimate segue into my final question. Christmas is the time where we come together, gather around the table, we eat, we drink, we get merry, we share stories. And I want to know... Your favourite dinner party anecdote from your years in show business. A crowd pleaser that's been known to draw gasps and slacken jaws. A Christmas cracker of a story. so mm, awesome. I know, Michael, we could just do three weeks with you.
1: <laughs> my favourite was um, my final, um, final matinee on Phantom of the Opera. And uh, it helps if you know the show or have seen the show or remember a bit about the show. I was playing Raoul. And traditionally, the final matinee is where you play tricks on people. Oh, yeah. So, for example, the lady playing Carlotta is in an opera scene and they put a ring on one finger and a ring on the other. And then I put cheese wire between.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so she's like,
1: and then she's literally stuck like that. Then I came out of the lair for the final scene and I have got a ripped down the arm with Raoul for Christine Forever. And I'd arranged for the very su- final moment for as the boat goes across in the background with me and christine to have a big old false hairy chest a great big medallion and a cornetto in my hand to, and all i've got to do is sing say the word i will follow you what i didn't know is a girl playing christine swapped places with the other with the alternate and i looked down and i saw them in and all I could see was the back. I could hear the voice, but the voice wasn't coming from the actress. And I looked down and it was someone with, I don't know who they were trying to do an impression of, but they had the blackest eyeliner and the biggest false eyelashes, buck teeth, a little mustache, and a little bit of hairy And I turned around with a dripping Cornetto in my hand to hand it over, which I did, mm-hmm. and... I was laughing so much, all I could come out
2: with <laughs> was
1: hey, welcome, you. <laughs> and they came back and they went, You could tell it was your last day. And I went, Oh no, was it bad? <laughs> they went, the emotion in that last thing. <laughs> style
3: style it out, style it oh, out. No, what no, about you, no, Alf?
2: No. Oh my goodness, Christmas stories. Um, this is I mean, not anything to do with the business at all, but I come from a large family. I've got like five sisters and three brothers. And one Christmas, um, my dad had been had spent like the few months prior to Christmas making this batch of of wine. But he was doing like he, he did his home brew. He it was the hobby of his to make wine, make beer, that sort of thing. He made this parsnip wine, so like
3: a, like a moonshine, yeah, yeah? like a yeah. moonshine. So, is that I mean, what they call it?
2: Yeah, and and so it was in the these uh what they call demijohns, uh, the the where the the alcohol is trying to cypher down i was trying to lower the alcohol content a little bit but christmas day arrived and there was this brew still in the demijohns, ready to you know ciphering and everything and all the guys all the lads decided to go to the pub for a beer and my mother was cooking christmas dinner with all this all my sisters and saying i, I can't stand this so the, the the fellas can just clear off to the pub and leave us to do this to, to to do this Christmas dinner on our own, they said, "Right, to so open that wine. Let's get let's get some glasses out. Let's open the wine." But she, they started drinking like thirty percent proof alcohol, you know, <laughs> in like wine glasses, thinking like it was just regular twelve percent wine. So we came back to this. Smoke coming out of the kitchen window, <laughs> laughter, music oh. going like crazy around the house, my mother and my mother, my sisters rolling around on the kitchen floor, fire coming out of the oven. The turkey was burned. Everything was it like totally smashed. But it was one of the best Christmases we ever had.
3: <laughs> you know? That's brilliant.
2: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was that was really one of the best the best uh, moments at home for me, you know. But they, like Michael. You know, leading up to Christmas um, in productions and things, there's all sorts of jokes that get played on you, and it's it's terrible. And trying to trying to keep a straight face. When I was playing at the Royal Opera House, um, somebody bet me a uh, hundred pounds if I would walk across the stage in this scene um, as John Wayne, so do a John Wayne walk right across the front the Royal Opera House stage in the middle of a production with George Schulte conducting. And it was like, 100 quid? Yeah, I'll do it. And it, so I did it. I did it. And somebody said, are you all <laughs> right in that scene? Did you hurt yourself? Because you you're walking with a bit of a limp. <laughs> and it said, that was my John Wayne impression. And that was another Christmas story.
3: <laughs> uh, gentlemen, it's been lovely talking to you. Do you know what? I love your story. I love the fact that independently, you have the most voracious careers. But collectively, you really have become each other's cherry on the top. Oh,
2: bless you, Kate. Thank you. Thank you so I'll much. I'll take
3: out these cherry anytime. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about.
2: <laughs> it's up for grabs. It's up for grabs.
3: <laughs> don't worry. If you want more of that chat and song, you can catch these guys on tour. And don't forget to download the Christmas album. I promise you it will give you a really lovely welcome break from Slade, <laughs> Booblay, and Carey.
2: <Kerry. laughs> Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Kate.
3: Okay, that's it from us for this week. We'll be back next week with more great chat. Until then, White Wine Question Time is, as always, produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Gabriella Colosurdo and Richard Hatheroff for Yahoo UK. Editing comes from Libby Knowles and music from Andy Bell. We'll be back next Friday with more great chat. Until then, take care out there and thanks for listening.